podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 51, and I have the other OC in my life, John O'Connor, brother of TJ O'Connor, the head girls basketball coach at Bennington High School in Bennington, Nebraska, on the line here. This is your, uh, your second official visit, OC. That's right. Yeah, number two. I'm a little nervous because the first one I had a lot of smarter co- you know, a lot smarter coaches with me. Now I'm flying solo. Well, if I didn't think you could handle it, I wouldn't have you on there. Right, so, so uh, I've got I've got faith in you. You got to have faith in yourself. See, I'm trying to coach you up right even before we begin the podcast here. So, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, before we get going here with uh, Coach O'Connor, of course, we want to thank our, our sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cosac Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at cosacchiro.com, K O S A K. CHIRO.com or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the site, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, of course, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, so be sure to download, rate, review, give us five stars so that we can get the word out and gain momentum in the ratings so that we can help coaches hone their craft. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, feel free to email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach O'Connor, are you ready for 100 degree heat here in Omaha today? Well, I think I'm more ready for that than I am for us to drop down to 40 you know, two days from now. <laughs> I know. So. Uh, those two extremes, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I, I you know, we were supposed to, uh, uh, we were supposed to have our our seniors senior pictures like three weeks ago, and it was supposed to be a hundred degrees, right. and and then so we rescheduled it, and then we had a COVID situation at our house, um, where our son tested positive for COVID, so we had to push them back. And now we're supposed to have them this Wednesday, and it's only supposed to be like 52 degrees. So I think we're going to have to change it again. Right. So the the poor kid can't get a senior year off to a yeah. to a good start, and we can't even get his senior pictures in without crazy stuff right. happening. So just put it on the list of crazy things happening. Right? Yeah, murder hornets. Uh, you, you know, I was ta- I forget who I was talking to the last day or two. You remember when the worst thing that we thought could have happened in 2020 was when Kobe Bryant died? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty tragic back in January, wasn't it? I think it was February. I think we, I think we recorded the roundtable. That's right. Right after that. That it was a Sunday night. Yeah, yeah it was that day. Yeah, it was that day that that Kobe passed away. So, yeah, we you know that that should have been an indication that this was going to be a chaotic right. year to begin with. So, absolutely. Well, well, Coach, let's uh, let's get going here. Um, I know you're not the type of guy that likes to talk about yourself too much, but I'm going to make you talk about yourself here. Uh, just kind of give us a background where you came from. Uh, I like to give uh, folks a, an idea of where our coaches came from, uh, just in case they uh, don't have a, a knowledge of your background. So uh, just talk to us about your career up until this point and how you ended up uh, a Bennington Badger. Sure. Well, again, thank you for having me on. It's I love the podcast, love uh, listening to the episode, so I appreciate being able to join in. Um, I grew up in North Platte, Nebraska. I went to a little C2 school, uh, North Platte St. Pat's. Um, after that, I went on to uh, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, after that, I started 
doing some long-term subbing at Millard North High School right out of college, and that is where I kind of started to meet um, some of my, I guess, uh, you know, coaching tree friends and, and things, mentors and things like that that kind of got me to Bennington. Um, uh, Matt Blumenkamp is the principal at Bennington, and he was at Millard North at that time. Uh, Luke Olson is the head boys basketball coach at Bennington. He was a Millard North assistant at that time, and so I kind of met them. Uh, and then eventually uh, was able to get on Coach Olson's staff uh, as a boys assistant at Bennington and teaching uh, at Bennington. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few years later, the, uh, the girls' uh, basketball job uh, became available. And I kind of just wanted to, I wanted to teach at a, you know, a really great school, and I wanted to be a head coach someday. And the uh, girls' basketball position at Bennington kind of tackled both of those goals mm-hmm. it, it, it fit the criteria you were looking for yeah um again that's kind of the criteria was uh wanting to be a head coach but when the timing was right you know um and then again wanting to coach at a or teach and coach at a uh, in a good school district and bennington definitely fit that criteria yeah awesome well it is it's a it's a high quality district my you know there's a lot of good kids out there and and uh you've got great resources and uh a brand spanking new school basically is it about it's what six seven years old maybe well the the high school itself um is 10 years old but when they first built it it was a 712 building which since then we've built the middle school and put on a new uh gym and a whole new wing at the high school so it feels like a brand new school in the last few years Mm mm-hmm you, you've you've had the construction crews out there pretty prominently. Yeah, very much. So. I'm trying to catch up with our growth. We're always a little bit behind, but we're trying. Yeah, yeah. How long do you think uh, it'll be before uh, a second high school will be built out in that area? Yeah, they're projecting anywhere between like four and six years. It could be um, if everything continues to grow and at the pace that we're at, we will reach our capacity in our current building in the next couple of years. And then we'll have to, you know, put put out a bond and all that good stuff. So you're probably looking at around five years, give or take. Yeah, that's that's stuff for people who make a lot more money than you and I have to decide and work exactly. on. So, so. Exactly. Well, John, I, I I love what you've done with your program. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a slow build, you know. And I was kind of going back. You just wrapped up your fifth year, um, and and. You, you kind of hit that five-year goal there. Uh, you started out your first year 5-18, and 18, uh, the second year 5-18, and 18, but a more competitive 5-18. and 18. And then 11-11, and 11, you got to 500 the third year, and then 14-10. and 10, And then last year, you know, was kind of the real big payoff when it came to wins and losses. 21-3, uh, and three, uh, state tournament for the first time in 10 or 11 years in the community. Uh, what was that, you know, what was the, was that kind of the plan? Uh, kind of go into uh, what you, what, when you were interviewing, what did you pitch? What did you see? And, and, and how did you kind of put this together piece by piece, uh, kind of in the, in the traditional way? Like for us old people that grew up with 70s and 80s and 90s basketball, there wasn't just, well, let's sign these two guys to free agent contracts and all of a sudden we're going to be title contenders. Uh, you know, there was a build to it with, you know, with the Bulls and the Pistons and the play, uh, Trailblazers and those teams like that. You know, kind of go into that process. Well, um, I got to 
be honest, when I first took the job, I didn't think, again, this is just me being ignorant, I really didn't think it was going to be five years before we started to see some real success. As far as wins and losses, like you said, we, we definitely saw success. It was just, it came in different ways than just the wins and losses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought, you know, I, I saw some of the girls playing, um, and I, I just said there's some definitely some talent some athleticism and i think these girls work hard they have a chance to be you know pretty good and it just took a couple years um for for it to get the ball rolling i think one of the biggest things was really just some growing pains where we were uh joining a new conference with the emc we had been c1 for a number of years and kind of became a big c1 school Mm -hmm. uh and then we joined Class B because of our enrollment, and we kind of got put down at the bottom of the totem pole and had to, you know, just had to go through some growing pains of playing at a bigger conference with bigger schools. Um, and I had to learn, I think I talked about this the last time, was I had to learn how uh, your uh, Gretna, Elkhorn, Omaha, Scott, I had to watch those teams and watch your guys' programs and learn a lot from them. What are what are what are the things that you took away from those things? What were you what were you looking to gain as you watched that? Get, we had to get faster and stronger was the number one thing. Um, teams were, uh, you know, they would put pressure on us. They would play fast. They would play up tempo, um, and so that was one takeaway. Was we needed in order for us to play that style of play, we had to get faster and stronger. And I got to credit. Um, Coach Brandon Mimic and Jocelyn Suing are two of our PE teachers and strength and conditioning uh, coordinators, I guess you could say, up at high school. And they've uh, basically modeled um, our strength and condi- conditioning programs the last few years with the idea in mind that we have to get faster and stronger. So they get a lot of credit for getting the girls in the weight room in the summer and in the off season um, mm-hmm. to, uh, to kind of you know get them to that point. Did you, uh, you know, especially those first couple of years, did you have to sell the kids on small victories and incremental victories? I mean, it's 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 easy to look up at the final scoreboard and, and say, you know, school X, this, Bennington Y, uh, whether that's positive or negative. But did you, was there a process of, hey, here's what we wanted to accomplish, and yeah, maybe we lost on Friday night, but you did everything right, and their fifth best player had to beat us, or or things like that. Right, yeah. Um, actually, one of our assistant coaches at the time uh, came up with uh, five goals for each game, um, and a lot of times the goals were, were repetitive or very similar, but it might be um, things like keep them... Uh, less than 10 offensive rebounds for our opponent or for us less than 10 or 15 turnovers depending on your team you know mm-hmm. you had to kind of set that goal uh one of them was you know take a charge during a game and so a lot of them are repetitive mm-hmm. um but you change them a little bit here and there based on your opponent mm-hmm. and so that was a great way for us to measure um little victories like you were talking about so maybe we didn't win on the scoreboard but you know we saw games where we are um, maybe closing that gap on the rebounding Uh, maybe we held them under 45 points and normally they average 50 or something like that Mm -hmm. did you have to conscientiously what are some things that you did to build uh, the positive energy around a program that had been struggling 
for a while uh, in the in the wins and losses department. How did you how did you sell your vision to your players, to the community, to the parents, so forth and so on? Well, um, I guess within the team, just trying to sell that uh, positivity, we try to do um, team building activities. You know, going bowling. Uh, I guess you know, there's there's lots of different ways that you can do it now under the current circumstances with you know what your limitations are that might be a little bit different but just trying to do some of those things that aren't always focused just on basketball um having team dinners that the players organize and and stuff like that but uh yeah i mean it's kind of interesting uh where you just you keep doing those things and doing those things you don't really necessarily see the benefits right away but all of a sudden um you know it does you do see some success and then you do have some players come back and say you know we really liked doing some of these uh team building activities we really like doing those things we have great relationships with the players you know the the they would say they had great relationships with their teammates um and it's interesting just kind of how that happens Mm -hmm. was was there a point where um you know did you have a tipping point where it was like it was this win or it was this practice that you really felt like, okay, I really feel like we finally turned the corner and and the vision is starting to become a reality. Um, it was almost I think uh, a couple losses actually instead of wins. Uh-huh. Um, I want to say two years ago we had you know we tell the girls all the time you're you're good enough to beat anybody on your schedule but if you don't come prepared then anybody can beat you on your you know mm-hmm. any night um and it was a couple years ago where we got beat by some teams that the girls flat out admitted after the fact like yeah we went into the game thinking we were gonna win those games um and i think those kind of handling that adversity actually kind of showed them that you can't take any nights off. And I think we went on to win. We won the holiday tournament right after that. So we one of those losses was right before the break, and we came back from the break and won the holiday tournament. And then we won. So, yeah, you had to sit on that for basically 10 days, which was not, or five days, whatever it was. <laughs> um, so that was fun. But then we came back. We won the holiday tournament. We won, you know, maybe five out of six and just kind of got on a little uh, winning streak there. And part of it was just the mindset of, we have to take. We have to treat every game the same, no matter who the opponent is. And then I think our girls last season uh, learned from that the year before, and that helped us kind of, you know, go on a few winning streaks where we didn't take any nights off. Well, I, I, yeah, I think you went on a little bit of a winning streak last year, John. <laughs> you know, was it nineteen out of twenty or something like that at one point? Yeah, that one point it was. So. Yeah. That, that, but again, credit to the girls for learning from that adversity of you can't take any nights off. You have to treat every opponent the same. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Well, you've 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 done a, a a tremendous job, and and now you're kind of the point where you know you you lost a a first team all stater, in in the prime girl, but. You're you're in a good position to to reload instead of rebuild, don't you? Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think you know we've uh, gotten to a point where we have you know uh, good good uh, organization at the youth levels, and so we're starting to see some of those girls where five or six years ago they were in the elementary and middle school, and now we're starting to see uh, you know. 
the, the rewards of them being in a good youth program, being in a good middle school program. And like you said, hopefully, you know, not having to rebuild as much, but more um, have, you know, the next girl ready to go to plug in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? We definitely have some seniors last year that, uh, not just Miley, you know, she's, yep. like you said, an all-state player, but um, they're just, their work ethic and their leadership was is probably going to be just as important to replace than the, uh, the statistical things, which they all let us in points and rebounds and um, so it'll definitely be a challenge because it's going to be hard to replace those kind of girls. But we have young players who are very hungry and they saw some of our success and they're ready to, you know, to, to take on that role. Mm-hmm. You, uh, like we, we talked about in the beginning, you, you made it to the first, uh, you made it to the state tournament for the first time in like 10 or 12 years, uh, in, in the, in, in the school, you know, for the school. Um, but you, you kind of went, you, you went down to Lincoln and, you know, I'd seen you guys play multiple times last year. Uh, and you probably played, you know, you can probably admit it now, six months later, probably one of the worst games that you played all year. Um, and, and that's not to take any way, anything away from Scott's bluff. They played very well. And you guys, you guys probably did not play as well as you're capable of playing. Uh, but what was, uh, what were some things that you learned going through that process of taking your team to the state tournament for the first time and going through that whole process that made you a better coach that, that you're going to uh, apply to the next time you're in that situation? Yeah, I think one thing um, I would maybe do different is uh, just make sure we were, we were conditioned. Um, and I, don't, I really don't know if our girls were not um, you know, conditioned well enough, but I thought, you know, we, it was a tie game at halftime in the second half. We just didn't have our legs. We were some of our shooters um, that, you know, normally pretty consistent scores, just some of those shots weren't falling. So, you know, I don't know if it was, if it was definitely that or not, but I, uh, there's now with how they have it formatted, you know, there's definitely a, a good layoff between that district final and state. So you've got to balance a little bit of conditioning in there while also, Saving your saving your legs for the tournament, so you know that's one thing. Um, it was the like you said, it was the first time in ten years. So none of those girls have uh, played in the state tournament. Some of them that was the first time ever even going to a game, you know, down at the state tournament. And so I'm sure nerves had a little bit to do with it, mm-hmm. but everybody's nervous down there. So it's the team that can handle those nerves, uh, you know, that can overcome those things well i i think the the intensity of a state tournament game is is worth the intensity of two or three regular season games and sure. and and just the 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 build up the the anticipation of it and you know that's that's pretty tiring unto itself uh to to go through that and, and I think that's something that probably your kids will look back on and say, okay, now that we've been through this entire process and now that we've done it, now we know what to expect. And, and you know, we, we kind of know how to, to pace ourselves. We understand. And it's, it's you know, a lot of it is just the, the stuff around getting to the state tournament. Uh, the community the community build up. Everybody wants to, to talk to you. You got... I mean, it's great problems to have. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it's it's the problems that we all want to have. Uh, but but there's a lot that goes into it, other than preparing for the for the tournament itself and the X's and O's part of it. 
Yeah, the game itself, right. Exactly. Um, that was new for a lot of us, myself included. And so you're trying to balance those distractions. But like you said, they're good distractions. Um, they're exciting to have. You'd rather that than, than not. But um, definitely learning how to balance that with the uh, the game itself, which is what really matters. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really like about your program is you get your players really involved with the social media. And I don't know if that's you, you know, taking lessons from, you know, your Kardashian Ken or something like that. But you, you've got your players posting videos and doing stuff with like, and if you, if you, you know, follow the, follow the uh, Badgers, uh, here's the, the Twitter at BHS Lady Badgers. Uh, that's the Twitter handle. Uh, but is is that your idea? Is it is it somebody else's idea? How did that all come about? Because I think it's really cool what you, what you guys do. Well, it's definitely not just my idea. A lot, a lot more people who are better at technology and those <laughs> type of things um, help me out. Uh, I might run it, but they a lot of times it's other people telling me you know the things to do and, and what to post and stuff like that. But someone a long time ago uh, said. You know, Twitter is great for promoting your program. And so that is, I use that as my number one thing. I want to use it to promote my program. I don't want to use it to, um, to do anything else, really, other than um, promote the program. Another tool that it's used for, uh, in my mind, is, you know, just sending out scores and things like that. But I think it's just my number one focus when it comes to. My, our Twitter account is just to promote the program and to promote the players. So if we can wish them a happy birthday, if we can uh, follow their other sports and, you know, retweet things from their other sports or when we were doing, when we were under like COVID quarantine restrictions, we were sending out some videos that the girls, you could do from home basically. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, the idea behind that was okay. We might be isolated in some ways, but there there's still opportunities to get better. And so that was kind of the idea behind that. Um, and again, just an opportunity to promote what the girls are doing. You know, that was one of the things that you know when I got the the position at Fort Calhoun, I I think I don't know, I can't remember the exact date, but it was like late April. Um, so. I had to, but we couldn't communicate. We couldn't see each other face to face, but I still wanted to uh, imme- immediately let the kids know what my expectations were going to be, how much I expected them to invest in things, uh, what my vision for the program was, so forth and so on. And so I felt like for a, a month, month and a half, that was the basic communication device that I had with my kids to try and show them what what I was trying to, to, to you know, wanting to impart on them and to create the foundation that we wanted to create because we were stuck in this, this crazy spot. So um, it, it can be a wonderful tool uh, if, if used the right way. Absolutely, yep. Yeah. And then I just wonder how much longer it'll be the number one you know, way to communicate because now kids are on Instagram a lot more. And, uh, you know, I, I still think Twitter is probably the number one go-to when it comes to communicating for your school and your programs and things like that. But we'll see. Well, it'll go to something else soon because I'm, I'm finally figuring Twitter out 
And so, you know, I finally got Facebook really figured out, and then it moved to Twitter. So then I, you know, it's just started doing the Twitter thing, and now it's going to move to something else because the, the the kids are always, you know, five steps ahead of people like you and you and I when it comes to things like that. So. Yep. No, I'm in the same boat. About the time I get this Twitter thing figured out, they're moving on to something else. So I'm in the exact same boat. Exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, another casualty of the the COVID crisis was your opportunity to to coach in the uh, Nebraska Coaches Association All-Star Game. Um, That had to be uh, a, a, a bummer for you. Uh, I would imagine uh, that's that's a heck of a phone call to get. I, I got that call once, and man, I was walking on sunshine for about three days uh, straight. You know, it's uh, you know, uh, you know what was what was that like getting that phone call? Well, yeah, I mean, to be asked to coach that game was definitely an honor, and I uh, feel very humbled and appreciative that I was able to you know be chosen to do that. I think the even cooler part was that Miley Prine was selected to play in the game, and so I was going to get to coach her one more time. And then, you know, when it uh, when they decided to cancel it, you know, for the COVID reasons, um, honestly, my first thought again was for Miley and the players more mm-hmm. so than um, the coaches, because you know the coaches down the road, who knows, maybe you'll maybe have another opportunity, maybe not. But as far as the players go, that's their last shot. Um, and so I really felt for Miley because I, I believe she was also the first Bennington player to be chosen to play in that game. So that's a big honor for her. And then all of those other girls and boys, you know, that wanted to play in those all-star games. Um, it was just kind of a bummer they couldn't end their season with that honor. You were going to be the assistant coach, right? I believe so, yep. And who who were you coaching with? I, I don't remember. Um. Oh gosh, kind of put me on the spot now. I know the uh, the head coach at Broken Bow was going to be um, in there as well. Um, I'm trying to remember who all else was. I'm blanking now on their names. <laughs> well, that, that's okay. We'll, we'll we'll It was it was definitely a couple new coaches I had not met before. So I was looking forward to meeting them and getting to work with them. Yeah, yeah, that would have been. It, it was. It's a. It's an awesome event that they put on. And uh, uh, I had a great time doing it uh, a few years ago, and and uh, you know it's a it's a it was a well deserved honor, John, uh, well deserved. So I appreciate it. Um, well, hey, we're gonna we're gonna transition here a little bit. Uh, well, not a little bit, a lot bit. We're gonna pivot uh, into the second half of our podcast here. Uh, we've got our Don Meyer quote of the day, and if you you know if you feel free to you know feel free to comment on it if you would like, John. Um, the, the Don Meyer quote of the day is, and this is a little bit of a tongue twister here. I always wondered how he, he got this one out when he used it. Be what you is, because if you be what you ain't, you ain't what you is. That is a tongue twister. That is a tongue twister, yes. Uh, basically, you got to be you, um, is, is, the, is the point of the, of, the, uh, of the quote. Did you, uh, when you took over as a head coach, um, was was that something where you were like, well, I, I feel like you know, here's here's an influence, whether it's somebody you've worked with or somebody you've you've watched or admired from a distance, or or were you were you really just, hey, I'm just going to be me and whatever happens happens. 
Well, I think there's, um, you definitely have to be yourself. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. You have to be yourself, um, first and foremost, because kids are so smart these days. You know, they can, uh, they can tell when you're not being sincere. They can tell when you're, when you're kind of being phony. And so you got to be yourself. Uh, that being said, how I became, I guess, the coach that I am, though, is through great mentors. Um, and so, uh, Luke Olson definitely comes to mind as being someone I've modeled myself after, modeled my coaching, um, uh, both professional and personal life. You know, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's him and his family, you know, here, Bennington, here in Bennington. And uh, so I think you have to be yourself, but uh, yourself hopefully is modeled after uh, other people who have, you know, done it the right way and, and done some good things. Mm-hmm. Well, like we said, you've done a lot of really, really good things, and we want to talk about uh, that a lot more. I I had a list of four or five things, and then right before uh, we started talking, as I was, you know, here's the really sexy things that us podcasters do uh, right before we we record a pod. I was loading the dishwasher, and... and, uh, you know this. You know this topic uh, popped into my head, and this is what I want to start with. Uh, we're getting to the point where where folks are going to start preparing for the season here, um, and and I've told our kids, you know, we don't know one hundred percent for sure that we're going to have a season or what kind of season it's going to be, um, but I, I've told them it's kind of like you know saving for retirement. There's no guarantee that you're going to live past sixty five, but if you don't. If you don't prepare for retirement and you live past 65, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And, and uh, I think that's the way we need to look at it as coaches. Uh, but what's, you know, as you're preparing for this upcoming season, and I think, I mean, what do you think, John? I, I think my own personal opinion, this is just me speaking, this is not in any administrators or anybody else. I think they're going to do everything they possibly can to try and get a season in just to keep things as normal as they can for the kids or try to get things back to normal for the kids. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I think we've seen a lot of uh, good things, you know, so far these first few weeks of school um, where, you know, at least at Bennington, I know some schools aren't aren't in the same boat, but at least at Bennington, um, we are able to go 100% with students, um, with masks and things like that, but also to be able to participate in the activities in the fall. And I just think we are seeing so many benefits from having kids in school and being in activities. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. I realize there are definitely some some risks involved with that and some challenges with that, but it's just so much more beneficial for these kids when they're able to be at school and participate in activities. And I think because we are seeing, you know, some of those positives this fall that like you said, our administrators, the state, you know, local officials, everybody's going to do whatever they can, I think, to keep that trend going in the right direction. Yeah. So as you're getting ready for for the season, what's kind of your calendar? What's your build-up process to get your kids as ready as they can be for the first day of practice in in mid-November? I think it's the 16th this year in Nebraska. But, you know, for, for any, you know, for, you know, what's, what's your process? Well, um, our 
for starters, we try to encourage all of our girls um, to go out for a fall sport. So uh, we, we love multi-sport athletes. Uh, we think that's what's most beneficial for our program. And so we have a lot of girls in cross country, volleyball, golf, um, uh, softball. And so the majority of the girls in our program are right now currently in a sport. And we tell them to focus on that sport and try to, you know, be as successful as they can be uh, with that. Um, the girls who are not in a fall sport, um, we have some preseason conditioning type things that we actually start here uh, in September. We usually give them a few weeks to kind of get acclimated back into the school routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they once they get comfortable with that, we start doing some conditioning. Uh, myself helps out a little bit, uh, but I also currently coach girls golf as an assistant coach, so I'm occupied doing that. Wow. Like, that yeah, you yeah, that is the dream job. That is yeah. how did you fall into that? <laughs> I got lucky. I got lucky. Lucky. I, I, coached, I coached middle school football ever since I was in Bennington, so for seven or eight years, and then uh, the JV or assistant girls golf coach retired, and uh, I guess you know the opportunity. Uh, arose itself. Luckily, they didn't have to watch me play around. Otherwise, I don't know if I would have uh, been, been able to get the gig. But, well, if, uh, if, so if I were you, if I was that lucky, if I were you, I'd be buying a lottery ticket every week. <laughs> yep, I know. Uh, so, all right. Well, go ahead. Keep going there, John. Well, anyway, so uh, luckily we have some great assistant coaches. So, you know, I'm obviously um, trying to focus on the girls' golf right now. And so Coach Goodwin, Coach Coughlin, um, two of our assistants, uh, they uh, basically help us run the after-school um, conditioning. And volleyball and other fall sports use the gym. So we don't necessarily get into a gym very often, but occasionally we, we do get to, you know, have the girls just get to have an open gym. Um but a lot of it is just the girls on their own with the, uh, the assistant coaches supervising the girls on their own doing some core workouts, doing some conditioning workouts, those types of things. Um, and then again, as, as the fall starts to, to go on, um, cross country, golf, and softball, they all get over um, in October, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. early, sometimes late October. And so once that starts to wrap up, some more girls start to come in. Uh, we always tell them to take a little bit of time to themselves to recover from their fall sport. And then once we start to get a few more bodies, we're able to, you know, have a few more traditional open gyms where they're actually playing and things like that. With, uh, with the weightlifting is, you know, you talked about that kind of in our, in our first half. Uh, is that something that you guys do? Uh, is that like a before school thing that that all athletes are supposed to or, or recommended to attend, or or how does that all work out? Well, we're actually really lucky. So kind of going back to our strength and conditioning um, program, Coach Mimic has some lifting classes mm-hmm. um, during the school day, so girls can sign up for a lifting class, and we highly encourage them um, to do that. Most of our girls are able to fit that into their schedule, uh, so they get to lift. Um, and then we also have an after-school lifting program that our head wrestling coach puts on, but it's for any athlete. If they, it's basically the, the weight room is open. Um, there's a few lifts that they can do and, and go in and do that. So there's tons of opportunities for them uh, to continue getting stronger and, 
you know, in better shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Coach Goodwin, obviously, that's that's one uh, bond that you and I have. You know, Sarah was yes. with me for, for seven or eight years. And, you know, just, just speak to, to her and Coach Coughlin about how, you know, some of the things that they do with the kids as far as individual development and, and what what those folks do in in those four up to four person workouts uh, to to what are the things that they're emphasizing as you're getting kids geared up for the season? Yeah, I think that's definitely one of Sarah's um, strengths as player development. She's very good at um, the individual workouts or, uh, you know, the small group types of workouts. Um, she's very good at those, and so I'm very lucky to know that when I'm, you know, off doing the other coaching stuff that she's able to uh, when, be around and, and help out. And just their experience, like you said, she's uh, a veteran coach who's been around it long enough that uh, she. I know, I know that the players are in good hands and that she can take them through different workouts, uh, different conditioning drills, those types of things. Um, uh, so, and, and Coach Coughlin also has tons of experience um, with coaching, and, and it's just nice to have both of them around. So while while those guys are sweating their tails off in the gym, doing cone drills and all these other different things and this and that, you're sitting in the clubhouse sipping on an iced tea, uh, just watching your the the girls basketball or girls golfers just just hack away here. So I don't know if that's really equitable, uh, John. I know. I don't know how I got that deal, but uh, especially because Sarah and Ron are both big time golfers, so uh, they're they're a little bit jealous. I think. Uh, I you know I don't I don't blame them. So, um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, you know, kind of your your defensive philosophy. Uh, you know, I know over the years you've kind of extended it and extended, it, and that comes with bigger, stronger, uh, better athletes as well. And last year, you guys really did a, a terrific job of attacking the ball in the full court. Uh, what's your what? What do you guys emphasize uh, defensively, and and with that attacking uh, pressure defense that you like to run? Uh, what do you guys also emphasize when it comes to your transition defense? Because you don't want to get beat over the top and, and give up a bunch of layups, especially when you're playing really, really good teams. Uh, but you also have the athletes to to attack people as well. So, what do you guys what do you guys teach there? What's your philosophy, and and how do you implement that? Uh, how do you break that down for your kids? Yeah, well, again, I mean, I would go back to after playing you guys uh, for a number of years, learning that we need to be bigger stronger faster and some of the teams that we struggled against the most were teams that brought full court pressure they brought traps and they just brought that speed and athleticism and so we've kind of modeled our ourselves after your south two cities omaha scott elkhorn south you know some of those teams um and we, we just felt that uh teams that had the most success were teams that were able to speed you up defensively um and so that was kind of the concept that we wanted to go with um they, the girls probably get we do a lot of transition drills um, and one of the things I always talk about is rematching um, there's there's just kind of a, a mental block especially early early in you know when I started coaching was you know my that's my girl number 32 is my girl so I'm gonna mm-hmm. find out wherever she is and you know as you're finding number 32 the ball's going behind you for a layup and so you know you have to kind of uh, 
learn one thing that we would always talk about in our transition defenses. Remember, the two most important things are the ball and the basket. So someone has to stop the ball and someone has to protect the basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we always say rematch. You know, I the girls probably get sick of me yelling that as they're coming down in a defensive transition. But yeah, you might have been matched up on number thirty-two, but now you had to stop the ball, and the girl who was guarding the point guard now has to go find who you were guarding. And so, and you know, obviously personnel and scouting reports and things like that, you can't always do that perfectly. Where you have your five-four girl all of a sudden has to rematch on the 6-1 girl for, from the opponent. That We're trying to avoid those types of things, but at the same time, we tell our girls, if we can play 5-on-5, five five, I like our chances. But when we are having to play 3-on-2 and 4-on-1, we're going to struggle. Yeah, mismatch is better than no match at all. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Yep. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yep. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Where else no, were you going? That, that, was, that was definitely kind of the... Um, the philosophy and uh, I would just you know give the girls a lot of credit they um, understood that very quickly and they learned how to just find you know pick up somebody and guard them um, coach Coughlin was definitely very influential this past season when he came on board um, he brought some of his defensive philosophies and he would always tell the girls our, our press might get beat but that doesn't mean we're going to get scored on and it was just funny he would show them examples over and over again throughout the season about how you know see how we were trapping here in the half court they broke the trap but we were hustling back so quickly and we rematched so quickly that it didn't hurt us mm-hmm. they still didn't score and we just and then as the game continues you start to get a few more of those turnovers and some easy buckets what are some things that you guys do drill-wise to crank up that tempo and, and get out and attack the basketball and, 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 and then not only force that turnover, but one of the things I thought you guys did a terrific job of last year was you'd, you'd force a turnover and then it was off to the races and, and you were in attack mode just like that. You transitioned very quickly. Uh, how did you develop that? What are, what are some drill breakdowns that you guys did to, to, to uh, get that attitude uh, going in that direction. Yeah, I guess um, to break it down to its um, you know foundation, we don't necessarily have uh, positions, but instead like spots on the floor. So you know your one is is the girl who is your point guard, but your point guard might change here and there. You know uh, mm-hmm. we had, we were definitely lucky where we had a few girls that can handle the ball. So if they happen to get the rebound or happen to get the outlet they then became the point guard, the one, and everyone else kind of, you know, filled in accordingly. So, you know, our two would go down the right side, our four would go down the left side, but it might be a different girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens that that's, you know, you've now become the four, you've now become the two, but they just had lane assignments. Um, our five ideally would go down the middle of the floor, and then we would have a trailer in case we get in some trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather than have a specific position, which, again, this is something that we had to grow into and develop. But rather than have a specific position, like you are the point guard, you're the, you're the one, it's more we have to fill these spots. However we do that is I don't care how we do that. You just need to figure out how to fill these spots. Um, there are some limitations with that. You know, There are only maybe a couple girls on the floor who can handle the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are only a couple girls on the floor who can maybe play that post. 
um, or maybe you want to have more of a five out system. So there's some adjustments to it. There's some things that you can change. One of my favorite drills, I don't know if the girls would say the same, but one of my favorite drills is called circle transition. And it's just old school. They're alternating blue and white, kind of jogging mm-hmm. in a circle around the free, the free throw line. Yep. I, I toss up a bad shot so that I try to miss. And whoever gets the ball, they don't know who's going to be on offense. They, mm-hmm. they Whoever gets the ball gets to be on offense. Um, they then transition as quickly as they can down the floor to try and score. And the defense, it's a defensive transition drill also because they have to try and get matched up. They have to stop the ball. They have to protect the basket. Um, so, again, it works both offense and defense, but they don't know who's going to be on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you, you know, maybe you have, uh, uh, more of a true post gets the rebound you've got to have a quick outlet so we're working on our outlet communication and then we have to fill the lanes appropriately so um, it's I just like that it's chaotic because in a game it, it that's that's how what it's like you know it's not um, it's not too structured which I had to kind of get over because I'm very traditionally a, a structured, OCD type of person, but that's not how that's not how the game of basketball works. It's craziness. It's and they have to adjust on the fly. Do you ever you ever do that where uh, you know you, you don't have out of bounds or something like yes. that just to just to yep. make it even more chaotic? Yes, when we do shell drill, which we do every day, uh, there are no out of bounds. And what's kind of funny is the last few years we've had to almost pull that back a little bit because they were. Uh, you know, they were flying out of bounds into the wall and trying to get a loose ball, or they were, you know, like, which is a good thing. That's what we were trying to get to. You know, we were trying to, to increase that intensity, um, but that is a great way to do that for sure. Yeah. Uh, need to tell your girls that the wall's going to win every time. Yeah, exactly. Well, you start to, they learn after maybe one or two times. They're like, you know what? If I don't the time I'm going to slam into that wall, I'm going to slow down just a little bit. <laughs> It, it, it's kind of like uh, crashing an airplane. It, it, it's it's not the uh, it's not the fall that that kills you. It's the sudden stop at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, what about and, and that's uh, that's a lot of really really good information, John. You know, just uh, the attacking and the chaos, uh, just building um, that mentality of, mm-hmm. of of getting that. And and while you're coaching your kids through that you have to switch gears and you kind of you know alluded to it a little bit you're kind of a a, a controlling type of guy uh very organized but you have to uh encourage them and be positive when mistakes happen and and allow them to make mistakes because this is not going to be perfect even within that chaos you're you're going to be making mistakes but you've got to live with those mistakes to get more on the other side of it. Absolutely, yep. Um, you know, Miley, <laughs> we actually had this uh, conversation with a few of our other girls, just trying to, especially our younger girls who are, they're so nervous to make mistakes and things like that. And, and I actually tell them the story of Miley Pride. Um, she was an All-State player. She was our leading scorer. Um, you know, obviously became one of the best players in school history. And I joke with the girls, I say, guess what other category she led us in and that was turnovers mm-hmm. and I said she played she played at such a high pace and a high speed that she made a lot of mistakes but she made up for those mistakes you know uh, by being more successful in all those other areas and 
when you play at that pace, when you play at that speed, um, you, you have to live with a few mistakes here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I coached a couple of kids like that this summer on my AAU team where, you know, and I, I told Connor, as you know, they make mistakes, but they play so stinking hard and they make so many other things happen that, I'm okay with the mistakes that they made because I know they're gonna they're gonna make a heck of a lot more happen than they will uh, than you know what they make happen greatly outweighs the mistakes that they're going to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know like you know uh, you can change different point values in practice, like when you're doing shell drill, when you're trying to do uh, transition drill and stuff like that. Um, for for a long time, we definitely you know made turnovers like minus one or whatever it might have been but you that can also have a negative effect where they're they're too afraid to make mistakes so they're trying they, instead of focusing on trying to make a play they're trying to avoid turning the ball over because they don't want to lose a point or whatever it might be so you can kind of play with rewarding those uh, you know that type of play another thing we do with transition drill like we were talking about earlier to help that tempo and push the ball is is if you score in 10 seconds or less, or even even uh, you can even shrink that number down five seconds or less, um, it's double the points. So mm-hmm. you might have a either the coach can shout it out, or you can have a manager over on one of those clocks, and and as soon as the offense gets the ball and starts to transition, you press you know start the timer, and if they can score within that time frame it's double the points so that helps the girls kind of forget about the turnovers and they just want to try and score quick yeah so here's coach plum asking coach o'connor his opinion program coach to program coach this is no longer interviewer interviewee type of question okay so when when you were when you were building things up and going through those first year that 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 first year or two how much of that was we need to be more cognizant of taking care of the basketball, but we don't want to take that aggression away? Um, you know, we want to be aggressive, but God darn it, we can't keep throwing the ball into the ninth row 26 times a game, you know, because that's kind of one of the things that, you know, I'm going through. Our, our We have four major priorities. Um and, and kind of our, our four pillars, and, and three of those pillars stay the same. Uh, develop a great culture, develop shooters, and control the tempo of the game. Uh, the fourth thing is, you know, we're going to switch that out, you know, from year to year to year. Uh, but this year is we've got to take much better care of the basketball. Um, but I also want the kids to not, you know, I, I think we're going to, to take care better care of the basketball because I think we'll have uh, better ball handlers all the way around the court. However, you know, uh, it needs to be an emphasis that we need to value the possession much more than we have in the past. So, you know, how do you do that without taking away their aggressiveness? Right. Well, if you figure out this answer, please, <laughs> uh, I will be all ears. Um, it's a, there's a fine line. There really is. Um, and I've said the same thing about, you know, telling girls, you can only go so fast because if, you know, if you go, you know, so fast, and you, it doesn't matter because you're kicking it into the wall in transition. So, you know, um, be quick, but don't hurry is something we talked about a lot. You know, we want to develop that quickness, but it can't be you in a hurry. Mm-hmm. You've always got to be under control. Um, 
So that's one thing that I would just say, like Miley again as an example was she was always um, pretty on balance and under control even when she made a mistake. Um, and I think that you have to start somewhere and, and yeah. maybe number one, it's you've got to just be under control and on balance. And then your the speed at which you can still be under control and on balance will then increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's just, you, you still, especially in practice, we when we're doing ball handling drills, we tell them all the time, you need to go so fast that you make a mistake. Yep. And I know that yep. sounds kind of crazy sometimes, yep. but it just teaches them. And that's at practice is when you're trying to learn those skills anyway. Yep. So that's when you want to try to make those mistakes and learn from it. Yep. We, you know, I, I, I say, you know, one of those phrases that I use that I know they get tired of hearing, you know, go fast enough to screw up especially in yep. those breakdown drills because, okay, how far can I push this? Okay, now's when you want to make the mistakes is when you're working on those skills and go fast enough to screw up so that you know, okay, this is this is as fast as I can go at this point, but maybe two months from now I'm going X, you know, X amount faster. Uh, right. but, but you'll never know that until you push yourself out of your comfort zone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I think those are um, – Ball handling drills are a great way to start that that getting that mindset of you know I'm going between the legs or I'm going behind my back. I, we do a two ball routine that if you do it right, you're you're going to make some mistakes. And I always say, kind of like you said, you know things that you say that they probably get sick of. I always say if you haven't made a mistake by now, you're not going fast enough. You know you need to pick up the pace a little bit. Um, and I just, I also think that gives them some confidence of, it's a, it's kind of a safe zone to, to make some mistakes here and there. But another thing too is, again, we don't want to kick the ball into the wall. We don't want to throw it into the ninth row. But was that girl, was she trying to make the right play? Yeah. Was she trying to make the right pass? It just happened to end up in the ninth row. Because mm-hmm. that's also some building blocks. You know, you can, they're seeing what they want to do. They're just maybe not uh, uh, ready, you know, skill-wise to make those plays. But if they can see it and, and they're trying to make the right play, that's huge. And we definitely build off of that, like you were talking about little victories and things like that. To see a player trying to make the right play, even though it might not always go correctly, um, is definitely a good step in the right direction. Well, I think you really want to praise aggressive mistakes is 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 the way that you know and, and it's 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 the same it's a different way to say the same thing uh you've got a kid and it's a three on one and and they try a 50 foot chest pass that goes over somebody's head but they're trying to make that look up the floor you know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be clapping my now if there's 30 seconds left and we're up one and they do that i probably won't be doing that but but halfway through the third quarter or halfway through the second quarter I'm clapping. Hey, that's all right. Great job. That's okay. That's there's nothing wrong with that. And and you want to praise those uh, aggressive mistakes because you know that ultimately those are going to pay off into more positives than negatives. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I got two other things to talk about. Um, but if there's anything you want to talk about, John, you know, um. You know, you well, can throw things. Um, I like your four pillars that you talked about. I think those are, you know, we we would say the same thing about shooting the ball. We've mm-hmm. got to have shooters. We spend at least twenty minutes every single practice working on 
shooting. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, what are some things that you are learning as you go through this process? Oh, boy. Uh, gosh. Uh, I think I talked about this with Kern a couple of weeks ago. Um, as we're putting this together, um, you know, a lot of it is is from scratch, uh, especially like with the youth program. Um, I, I had forgotten how much work it takes to get that off the ground, um, and coaching, you know, coaching every single level um, and getting that ready to go. Um, what I want to do a better job of this time around is coaching my coaches and, and delegating, you know, more, uh, responsibilities, uh, to, to my coaches. Now, um, you know, one of the things that is tough right now is it's just myself and my assistant coach and my assistant coach is the varsity softball coach. So she's got her own season going on right now. Um, but there's, you know, I think one difference is it's not quite the same urgency because I, we have 16 kids in the program right now, and, we're, and we hope to get that up to 17 or 18 by the time the, uh, the season starts. Uh, but I think all but one uh, is in a fall sport, and that one kid is playing club soccer. So they're all doing their type of things, and they really don't have a lot of time for a lot of basketball stuff right now. Um, so I don't feel, and I know it's that way in most of the other schools that we're going against. So I, I think kind of the difference between being at a, at a B or an A uh, school is you feel like, well, we got to get started sooner because I know this is like what you said, what Elkhorn is doing or, or what Norris might be doing or whatever it may be. Uh, I know that for uh, the most part, every other school that we're going to be playing against this season on our regular season schedule, uh, their kids are in the same boat that our kids are. So um, that's been an adjustment. Um, you know, we, I really felt like coming into it, we really needed to sell the kids, not sell the kids, but show the kids. I'm sure you were probably in some ways in the same boat. Um, this is what you need to invest in it. And, and, and you have to invest in this if you want to, uh, if you want the, the payoff at the end of it. Um, and one of the things that the girls told me very early on was they wanted to change the perception of girls basketball at the school. I said, okay, do you understand what you have to do to do that? Uh, the work you have to put in, the investment that you have to put in, the energy you have to put in. And and I've just tried to to yeah, one of the things I've tried to do is guide them in that way, in that manner, and and they've done a heck of a job. They, you know, everything that we've, you know, every check mark along the way, they've they've hit, and um, it's it's just going to be uh, now. It's just kind of okay. In a few weeks, we're gonna just we're gonna start just shooting one night a week for about an hour, or we're just gonna bring it, you know, low intensity. You know, we're not gonna do a bunch of explosive stuff, no contact, none of that. But hey, let's just come in and shoot once one night a week, you know, and then kind of like what you said, as as fall start, sports start wrapping up in early to mid October, then you start ramping it up a little bit more, a little bit more, um, and and you move on from there. So. Um, it was weird, just like with everybody. You know, it was weird uh, not having the same access with the kids. You know, you you kind of envision, well, we're going to hit the ground running on June first, and nobody got to do really anything on June first. So, uh, but we, but I thought we got a lot accomplished with the time that we had. So, 
Um, so you mentioned a couple things. Number one, you said something like a checklist, but they're getting through the checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you? What were some of the things on that checklist? Just, you know, the number one thing was was putting in the time that was needed to get better. Um, you know, we're going to come in, and and part of that is I, I think it's important for you as a coach to here's the direction we're going. Uh, here is why we're doing it. And, and then, and then we got to do it. Um, and, and here's why you need to, here's how this fits into what we're going to do. And we're not going to waste any motion. We're not going to waste any time. We're not going to do a drill just to do a drill. You know, one of the things that I've, that I have talked about pretty consistently is, uh, during my time off, um, I tried to, I, I basically narrowed the game down to about 10 or 11 basic skills and we're not going to do a drill unless it is one unless it involves at least three of those skills um the only thing the only skill that we violate that is is when it comes to shooting you know if it's just a straight shooting drill then then we'll just do straight shooting um but you know that buy in to have them understand that this is how hard you have to work to have success and this is the the camaraderie you have to have uh in order to have success i you know i think uh team chemistry is important in any sport uh but i think in basketball and especially girls basketball i think chemistry is really really important um so those are the type of the things that you know the the kids hit the check marks every step of the way where it's like we moved we moved on with things a lot quicker than what I thought we would this first summer. And that's all the credit of that goes to the girls. Um, you know, it was, you know, we went, you know, if let's say, I don't know, John, we had five steps that we wanted to accomplish. Um, well, we, but there were 50, you know, let's say there's 20 steps altogether to get to where we want. And, and maybe we hope to get four or five of those steps done this past summer. And we actually got to, eight eight or nine let's say you know type of a thing so again but that's the kids that that was the kids and and they they put their they put their money where their mouths were and i'm really happy about that so yeah it's funny that that they said they wanted to change the the mindset about girls basketball in school because we were in the same boat and the girls talked a lot about how you know, it, nobody comes to their games or they don't get taken seriously. And I said, you guys are the only ones in control of that. Yep. Um, you've you've got to make, you know, when they show up in the fourth quarter of our game because they're, they're getting ready for the boys game, you know, what are they seeing? Mm-hmm. You've got to, you know, and, and it doesn't always come down to wins and losses, but you're going to get more people to respect you and come. You know, change, you know, have respect for your culture, but also come and watch your games when you're playing other teams. Uh, good, you know, you're playing good teams and you're playing them tough. Yeah, you're winning some games and things like that. And like you said, that all start that just doesn't happen overnight. You can't just say, okay, we'll play you know these teams better. You've got to work at it. Yeah, sure. that is it, that is almost the exact same conversation that we had word for word with our kids. Um, you you need to you need to give them an excuse to come in and watch your games, you know? Um, and you know, just everything from, uh, what is your attention on the bench? Um, how, what's going on on the bench, uh, before our first summer camp deal, um, 
which was turned out to be the only summer camp deal that we got to do this summer. <laughs> uh, but I gave them a list of, yeah, you know what? I'm watching this on the court, but here's all the things I'm watching off the court as well. Um, and we have further plans with that. I, I don't want to say too much, uh, but we've got some film study of, of things that I want to show the kids that happened last season that, you know, this is acceptable and this is where you fulfilled what I deem to be what is should be part of our culture. But here's some examples of them, some things that are not acceptable and, and will not be accepted. And and not in a negative way, but here's here's the example. Now here are here's something you can correct. And I think um, the biggest thing is, you know, one of the big things is we have to be able to control the things that we can control. Um, we can't control if we don't have a six-one, you know, all-state post player or things like that. But you know what? We can control. Uh, if one of our kids falls to the ground, four teammates better be over there picking them up. Uh, with within one second, they better be sprinting over there and picking her up. Uh, when a teammate when a teammate comes out of the game, uh, we better be standing and into it. If we have a big play on the floor, there better be energy and enthusiasm coming off the bench. Um, those are all things that we can control from day one that will help build the product at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I, those are all great examples, great things, and you know, like. Coach Goodwin, you obviously know her very well. She brought a lot of that um, to our program a couple years ago where I might have thought I was doing some of those things, but when you can have someone like her who uh, really emphasizes it and can almost be like she's going to watch for those things more mm-hmm. so than, than maybe some other details, and it just puts more of an emphasis. We've also had great, uh, we've had great examples of players who um, – might not play a lot but that's their responsibility we give them that role of hey we Mm -hmm. need you to bring more energy so that these other girls follow along you know and it's when when you have some of those players buy in or when you can have uh, a coach putting more of an emphasis on it that definitely goes a long way there was a deal uh john um i don't know were you at the metro coaching clinic last fall when the gal from umkc was there um I can't remember her name, but she talked about how they they have a, a point system for their for their team, and this is what we shared with our kids. and I and I directly borrowed from it and then tweaked it kind of for a high school situation from from a college coach. But you know, as you're watching the film, you know, um, you know, our goal is to get to X amount of points a game, and so. If, if, you know, when, when a player is subbed out, if everybody stands up and greets them with enthusiasm, the team gets one point. Uh, if somebody, if, if we get an offensive rebound, that's worth two points. If, if, if we take a charge, that's worth 10 points, um, you know, so forth and so on. And then you have a, a, a point total at the end of the, at the end of the deal. Um, so that, okay. And, and we, we've kind of, it's, it's our, our podcast, I guess the theme of our podcast would, would be today would be, you know, creating small victories. Uh, cause that's yeah. something we've both, we, we've, we've talked about consistently throughout, but you, you may look up at the, at the end of the night and say, okay, we, you know, we didn't win the game, but you know what, uh, here's here's another example of we got let's say our our goal is 200 points so we got 215 points so we controlled everything that we can control now we need to continue to work on our skill and our shooting and our athleticism and 
bigger, faster, stronger, that type of stuff. Uh, and if anybody's interested in that, they can email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com and, and I'll be willing to share that with them. Um, you know, that's something else that I kind of came up with because I knew we were, you know, I know that we're going to have to, in order to get the big victories, we're going to have to create systems to grade out small victories to show that we are on the right path. Sure. Yeah. So. No, I think the, the point system is a great idea. We've actually um, started to do some of those things. Definitely uh, taking a charge, um, certain positive, we call them positive touches, those types of things where you're, you're giving high fives. After, you know, a girl shoots a free throw, all four girls have to go, you know, pat her on the back or pat her on the shoulder and, and you know, good luck on the next one or whatever it might be. Uh-huh. Uh, good shot, those types of things. Uh, I remember this is before we started even tracking points but like pointing it out on film uh it's it's always it's always amazing when they see it or hear it um it it just makes it more real because you can tell them all the time what you're seeing but until they see it you know it doesn't become reality but i remember my first couple years pausing one of our film sessions and just showing all of the girls on the bench after a big play, they all jumped up and down and, and celebrated, and then another time they didn't, you know, and just showing them the difference, like, mm-hmm. which one's more fun? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember one also where, and sometimes when you're making fun of the girls, it's, it can be lighter, it's not so much of a, you know, um, it just makes a little bit more fun. They, they, they like it when you give them a little bit of a hard time, but these two girls had their secret handshake. Every time we made a three-point shot, they would stand up and cheer, but then they would also do this like secret handshake together. And I caught them on film doing it, and I showed the whole team, and they were laughing, and we were making fun of them and stuff like that. But it, it just went a long ways. They loved it, and I think ever since then we've always had a couple girls have little tight deals and handshakes and gestures, and it just makes it more fun, you know. So when yeah. you can point it out to them, it definitely goes a long way. Well, you know that's. You know, another thing that that I talked about with my kids is, uh, you know, music in practice. And and I I told them, I said, as long as you guys play hard and and do what I ask of you to do, as much as it pains me as a music lover, you guys can listen. You know, there's certain parameters. It's got to be clean and, you know, you know, that type of thing. But uh, and and this group of kids, they love the, the Disney stuff. Um, you know, uh, so, but I, I said, as soon as you guys aren't working hard, as soon as you aren't playing up to the cultural standards that, that I expect of you, guess what? There's going to be a lot of Duran Duran and a lot of REO Speedwagon and, and, and that type of stuff. And, and until you earn it back, you know, that type of, and and it's amazing how little things like that, they're, they're like, okay, we're ready to buy in just for that one little thing you know and when uh we were we were able to get a team camp quote unquote uh under our belt um this this uh this summer um right after the fourth of july and that just you know the kids said coach we just we really appreciate that that we we just had a lot it felt like we had a lot more energy with the music in the gym and and you allowing us to do that and i'm you know i'm kind of you know summarizing what the conversation was you know but but just little things like that that to you and i we could care a rat's patoot less about that type of stuff 
but for the kids, it's a big deal. So you got to find your victories um, and, and the, I guess, the pressure points, if you will, to, to get them that, that, okay, here's what I can sell to you. Here's something that doesn't matter to me, but if it's a big deal to you, we sure as heck can do it. And, and as long as you're okay with it and as long as it fits what you're comfortable with, those are things that you can do to, to help build that culture and build that enthusiasm uh, and, and build the want to for the kids to be in the gymnasium with you. Yeah, it's, that's something that I kind of had to learn was putting the music in. And now that we do it, I, I, it brings energy and it brings me some energy on, you know, some days and things like that where right, right when the, uh, I, I always tell them, though, don't be messing around on your playlist the whole time. Just press play and get out here and start shooting or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I tell them is I get at least one request. So they've got to be ready, you know, for me to put a couple songs on their playlist. I also, uh, would always tell them you guys have to communicate louder than the music so mm-hmm. like you know we have to be able to hear you talking to each other and um, you know interacting with one another and if I can't hear you then we got to turn the music off or we got to turn it down lower until I can hear you and so you know finding little ways to kind of make them better with something like communication or whatever it might be you mm-hmm. can kind of play with that too yeah yeah, that's you. you you're exactly. I, I like the I like the Casey Kasem angle of it. Of you know, you get one you get one request a day. I might have to throw that one in there as well. Yeah, so. there you go. Then we can get your Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they're gonna look at me like, "What in the heck is this stuff?" Well, yeah. is what it is. So. John, this has been terrific. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, I, I, I hope I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here. I really appreciate it. So I uh, hope you've had a good time. I've had a blast, and you know what you're doing with this is great. And I just feel very uh, humbled to be along here with you know some of the other coaches you've had. This was a great experience. Well, you know, I, you know, you've you you've earned it. You know, now your brother. I don't know. That's the the jury's the jury's yeah. still out here. Give give me a few months of working with him, and and uh, and then we'll we'll see what we got there. Yeah, you got a lot of work to do with him, so that's the luck. Ah, uh, you know we've uh, he's he's been a he's been a tremendous help. Um, yeah, we we got a one another upgrade, and I and I can't thank our administration enough. One of the the big selling points was uh, that they gave to me was we're really ready to invest in basketball on a on a large scale and and activities and athletics in general. And sure. and and one of the things that uh, we just accomplished, and your brother did a heck of a lot more with this than I ever did. I, uh, but we, we got an, uh, we're going to get a new Dr. Dish here in the next couple oh, of weeks, nice. which is, which is really, really big. Uh, just, and it was just a, a huge, uh, it's a huge investment financially. Uh, but, but just the, uh, just the symbolism of the investment of, you know, these are, these are the, these are the things we're willing to do, uh, to help make the kids better and to give them opportunities to get better. So, uh, but your brother, your brother was the lead guy on that one. And so, um, I, you know, thanked him greatly because I really had nothing to do with it, but it's going to help our kids out a ton. So, well, I, I was very lucky that, you know, I was Luke Olson. Uh, Luke Olson's assistant, the boys' head coach, and you don't really think about it until you're in it. But having that rapport between the girls and boys' head coaches when it comes to scheduling gym times, when it comes mm-hmm. to sharing equipment like that, um, you know, it, it goes a long way. So 
Uh, other than you having to climb an uphill battle with him, I, I wish you both the best of luck. It's definitely, it's definitely awesome to be able to work with, and I know he appreciates uh, you as well. It's awesome to be able to work with either a boys head coach or a girls head coach that is, is good to work with. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an underrated uh, selling point in in uh, sure. in a in a situation. So. Well, John, thanks so much. I appreciate it. We we plugged the Twitter site, BA, at BHS Lady Badgers. Uh, folks, I encourage you to follow Coach O'Connor's program there. They have a lot of really, really good stuff on their Twitter feed. Uh, so, John, if you could just hold the line a quick second as we wrap everything up, uh, we'll, we'll kind of sign off here. So, Thank you again for having me. Oh, thanks for thanks for coming on. So, and I hope your daughter had a great nap while we were talking. <laughs> I hope so. It's still going, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, uh, thanks again to John O'Connor, the head girls basketball coach at Bennington High School. We also want to thank Cosac Chiropractic once again for sponsoring the pod. If you're in need of any chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, download, rate, review the pod. You're listening. You're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so be sure to give us a five-star review. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.